Welcome to This Good Word, where every week we look at one single word in an endless discovery of reclaiming what's holy about our humanity. My name is Steve Weens. I'm a pastor, I'm a writer, and I'm a father of three crazy boys. My hope with this podcast is to create an environment where you can continually discover who you actually are in the world. So feel free to check out my website at steveweens.com, S-T-E-V-E-W-I-E-N-S.com, where you can find links to my blog, to purchase my book, which is called Beginnings, The First Seven Days of the Rest of Your Life, and also links to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Enjoy the podcast, everybody. Here we are, episode 51. Uh, the words, plural, this week are Not Bad Enough with Andy Gullihorn and Joel Hansen. Uh, Andy Gullihorn is a singer-songwriter that my brother-in-law, Joel Hansen, uh, introduced me to years ago. We went to a show together uh, here in St. Paul, and it was amazing. Andy Gullihorn, is, he, his writing is witty. It's deep. It's, it, it's so good. If you know of David Wilcox, Andy, Andy Gullhorn is in that vein. And so I loved my conversation with Andy. Uh, Joel and I got together and asked Andy a bunch of questions about certain songs and the process of songwriting for Andy Gullhorn. And uh, he's amazing. So enjoy this. I think you're going to love it. If you're a songwriter, especially you're going to love it. But even if you're just any kind of creative person, I think listening to Andy and his creative process is really, really instructive. So uh, before we get into that, just want to let you know we had Seth Haynes in Sobriety and Spirit for this one-day event on June 25th, and it was incredible. He ta- he did three sessions. He talked about what is pain, what is addiction, what is sobriety, and all three sessions are available on audio for purchase at my website for 10 bucks. So just go to steveweens.com slash store. You can buy them or else just find the link on the show notes. Uh, okay, that is that. So please enjoy Andy Gullahorn. All right, you guys, I am here with Andy Gullahorn, one of my favorite singer-songwriters. Andy lives in Nashville with his wife and kids. And I was at a concert of his with my friend Joel, who is going to be here in a second, but he is late, Joel Hansen. Uh, so, um, Andy, I love, I loved your show because it was like part concert, part comedy show, part therapy session is kind of how I would describe it. Uh, number one, because your your songwriting is just so rich and velvety and nuanced and has so many layers. Number two, because you're such a good storyteller. Um, and I think that's a really unique thing that you bring. So can I ask you, like, what were your influences that led you to find that way of um, of bringing what you bring? Mm. Well, I, I kind of grew up listening to country music and I grew up in Texas. And I like kind of the story component of country music. Uh, but then when I really started writing songs in high school, it would have been mainly folk guys like uh, David Wilcox or John Gorka or Pierce Pettis. Um, I think those three probably influenced me in different ways uh, as much as anybody. Yeah. Uh, David Wilcox, I think I've heard him say, like, um, sorry, man, my my screen just blinked. Um, David Wilcox has said that you're one of his favorite artists, I think. So you guys must be must be friends, must hang out. Somehow we are friends, uh, which is crazy because I was like, you know, super fan for <laughs> many years. Had seen many many shows and you know met him after a number of shows. But in the way that you meet, you know, 
your heroes after it's just kind of like I like your music. (laughs) Well, I mean, I've seen some of his shows too, and he's—I mean, he is amazing. And I—I would say you all are similar, Um, and so I can see that. I mean, I can see the influence back and forth for sure. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, once we kind of finally met and and became like like where we actually where I actually got to know him. One of the things I love about it is the more I got to know him. You know, usually you have this fear of like meeting some of your heroes and then they're just going to turn out to be like jerks and, <laughs> and hate yeah. them. Yeah. Uh, I love him more hmm. knowing him as a person, not just as a singer songwriter. I just think he's an amazing human. And I tell him all the time that like, if there's anything that he likes about what I do, it's just because I spent so many years trying to copy him, you know, and hopefully at some point I, I found my own voice in there um there there are some differences but but like yeah his his ability to tell a story and to look at life through metaphors is like i just it's a worthy goal to shoot for for me In, well indeed but i think and i i comparing is weird comparing is probably not helpful you have a way of like turning the phrase at the end of a song in a way that goes like, oh my gosh! Like, um, I think one of your tunes, uh, it's called Either Way or no, 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 no. Um, oh, now I'm losing it. But like, you're 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 leading us through this entire story, and then at the very end, the phrase that you turn. I'm trying to think of which one that is now. Um, shoot, that, I haven't either. Is that what you're? Yes, about? I haven't either. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. That's such a great tune because it starts out a little. Um, I mean, can you can you recall some of the lyrics just even even right now? Because well, it's, it's it's kind of starting out, you know, like saying ridiculous things. Yeah, like playing video games while your kids are crying and stuff like yeah. that. <laughs> and like this thing, I haven't either. It's just you know, like I take a lot of sick pleasure in in manipulating people and jerking them around. So uh, it's fun to kind of lead one way with a hook and then try to find another way to, to see it at the end. I, I'm, I'm a sucker for that. And some of that, I think, you know, so a lot of that's present in, in some country music that I grew up on. And I just like the idea of taking any phrase and, and looking at it, uh, you know, a few different ways throughout the course of three minutes, you know? Absolutely. Uh, I there are so many of your songs that I love, but I think one of the songs that really kind of pierced me in a really good way is a song you wrote called "I Will," hmm. and um, it had it's it's a song of brokenness. Clearly, I mean, it's a song of um, companioning with each other. I think it was is is what it sounds like uh, when perhaps you've gone through a very dark time and all of a sudden you meet a friend who isn't going to fix you but just is going to be there for you so can you tell me a little bit about what went behind the writing of that song because um clearly uh it 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 comes out of a kind of ache it sounds like it comes like a out of a kind of ache from you um for the kind of friend you want to be for the kind of friend you found i don't know i i in introducing that song, I often say a quote from David Wilcox where he says you, that you don't want to write about who you are. You want to write into who you want to become. Yeah. And to me, that that song is kind of like me trying to write myself into being the kind of friend that I want to be. Yeah. Um, you know, like if, if I'll fake it till I make it. And then uh, – um, but yeah, I, I think that song makes me think of – I always just think of this – this group of guys I've been meeting with for the last nine years where that's kind of the structure is that you, you don't respond to each other. You just, you don't fix, you just kind of like, uh, it's just about being there and listening and, uh, you know, whatever it is, it could be like really menial inconsequential stuff or, you know, stuff that feels like it's the end of the world, you know? Yeah. And, um, there's, I don't know. I, the, I love the great power in being able to share something in a room that is scary and not have people run out screaming. You know, like there are people who are just like, oh, yeah, okay. 
There's your worst fear. All right. Yeah. And then not go anywhere. It's, it's like, it, it is a, uh, it's a powerful thing. Um, so yeah, that song, I, I, I feel like, uh, I kind of say it's a tribute to that, that group of guys, but not just that group of guys. I mean, there's like relationships that I've been lucky to have, um, all over the place, you know, with, with people where, where I feel like we're able to dig a little bit beneath the surface and, and, um, you know, just not be afraid uh, to be who we are. So, well, I think there's a richness in that for people who aren't going to run out of the room like screaming or shame you, you know, because I can't believe you said that. Or people that are going to try to fix you. I mean, that's that's the other thing. Like they're going to hear you say something, they won't run out of the room, but they'll make you want to run out of the room, right? right? Yeah, <laughs> right, because of well, how they respond. Probably- you know, like I think that's a hard thing, particularly like in a church context where like so much of it is like in a way, a lot of people have been trained (laughs) without being trained, you know, to like like, trained to fix people without the train to actually fix people. Yes. Uh, Trained to want to fix people. So like, you know, like, and I think some of that, I, I mean, I relate to that. Yeah. For me, that just comes from, Man, if I if I really look at it, I'm really uncomfortable with other people's pain. Like yeah. I just want I just want them to stop feeling it because if they're feeling it, then I have to feel it. And I don't want to. I mean, I don't want something that's uncomfortable. Right. So well, how do I get out of this uncomfortable feeling? I, I tell them, oh well, tomorrow is gonna be better because you're gonna read this verse and it's gonna <laughs> you know whatever. And that's you know it doesn't work. Yeah. At least it doesn't work for me. No. Uh, and uh, not saying that I you know try to fix people with versus that i'm not i've never been good at you know when people ask me like to sign something with my favorite verse i'm like oh man i, I couldn't even, <laughs> i don't even know what to write I'm, I'm horrible at memorizing that stuff but um but yeah i think in a, in a kind of a culture where we we want i think it's a pretty safe thing to say that most people don't like feeling the uncomfortability of of pain and suffering yeah, and we we want to get out of it as fast as we can, um, and so maybe it's like coming to realize that if you actually want to get out of it, then you have to go through it, which means you just have to sit with it, you know. Yeah, because all the years of like trying to like fix it, you realize, man, it's not really fixing anything. Oh. I'm not doing any favors. Yeah, and it's just exhausting. And um, there's Joel. Hey, Joey. How are you, my friend? Hey, your cleaning lady just, oh, Joel, hey. <laughs> um, we were just talking about his song, I Will, and about, and I was just saying how, how much that impacted me, and about how, and he was telling me the story about how um, it's really about a group of friends that have, have the courage to say what how life is, as bad as it is, or as good as it is, and no one has to fix each other. And then we're saying how the tendency is for all of us to just, to just want to, want to fix each other and you know give or give each other a you know a verse to to read and and so um anyway welcome joel thanks um i usually start with a verse and advice Um, (laughs) it's helpful (laughs) no that yeah that um the heart of that song the i the i will like uh maybe you already said the line but uh if you want someone to do some dying with you i will that's a big deal yeah to kind of walk it all the way out yeah um it's a it's a it's a beautiful picture um i on that note uh one of your songs beyond the frame i think i mean it's hard to say i don't know if i have a favorite record of yours andy but beyond the frame is really up there for me um thank you in particular uh you wrote a tune i think one of your neighbors lost a kid Am I remembering this right? Um, or a friend? Um, what song are you talking about? Nowhere to be found. Oh yeah, yeah. So that wasn't my neighbor, but there is a song about my neighbor on there, but not losing a kid. Nowhere to be found is about a friend who lost who right. lost twins. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 And I think sleeping sound maybe is what I'm thinking about as well, where your friend came up to you. This is what I remember, and what one his his 
kid who's struggling with autism or something and you wrote a tune about your kids and about his kid. I I'm totally butchering this story. Could you tell it please? (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So those are the stories that are mixed up. So the sleep sound is about my, I wrote it for my neighbor when he was kind of like, you know, uh, a lot of questions about his son's future and like what, you know, what it held for him and, and, uh, with concerning like Asperger's. Yeah. And, uh, so he, uh, you know, I, I think I was just struck by the fact that he was losing sleep over his son's future and happiness, but his son was like one of the happiest kids that I knew. You know, so it's kind of like it's one of those things where I find myself getting caught up in, and uh, you're like, well, what does this mean in the future? And then overlooking the fact that there's like, it doesn't mean that he's screwed up. I mean, like, he, even if he had all the information in the world in the first five years of his son's life about autism um he could have done a better job because he just loved the son for who he was and and uh so yeah that was just kind of a meant to be an encouragement to my neighbor uh he liked it so much that he moved away (laughs) (laughs) okay oh that's well i uh sleeping sound nowhere to be found in grand canyon the way that record ends Mm. is to me, it's just, it's gorgeous. I mean, those songs back to back to back um, are are beautiful. They're just, uh, I, I don't know. We, we kind of nerd out about you all the time. We do, Andy. <laughs> That's why we came to your concert together. And I think you got a speeding ticket on the way, Joel. I did. It was my first time coming to the that? art house to see you, uh, Troy and Sarah Gross. You got place. a speeding ticket on the way. Going down a hill, not using my accelerator, Never been on the street before, <laughs> and I guess they just cherry pick people there. And right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it was an expensive show, but worth it. But very oh. worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, uh, okay. So your your newest record, uh, Fault Lines, uh, has some. Uh, to me, that record is one of your most, uh, if I can say the word, bold in terms of grace, in terms of being messed up but experiencing god's love still Mm. um i I, i'm just interested in uh what was going through your mind when you wrote some of the lyrics especially god forsaken place beautiful Mm. tune Mm. uh that you know is so um uh gorgeous as it relates to how far god will go Mm -hmm. so yeah, tell me about fault lines and, and in particular God Forsaken Place. Man, well, I feel like that that whole record. Um, yeah, every record's kind of like just a snapshot of like the two or three years before yeah. you know, since making the other record, and there's just a lot of hard stuff going on uh, in my community and stuff that I was walking through with friends and. Uh, but usually the way that it works is kind of like I write all these songs for other people and then. You know, by the time that I'm singing them or recording them or somewhere down the road, they're like, they're, they're not for other people anymore. Uh, so it's, it's helpful for me. Um, yeah, a song like, uh, like God Forsaken Place. I think I I wrote that after uh, this retreat at a place called Lady Lodge out in Texas, uh, and it was for a recovery group, and. Uh, I had been to it. That's like one of my favorite places to go, that retreat center. And I'd been to a number of retreats already that year. They were really heady, kind of like, you know, theological and all this kind of, you know, talking about smart things, and uh, which is hard for me to track with most of the time. And then going and doing music for the recovery retreat, which I always love because it is just so practical. Yeah. Like, you don't care. Like, it's not that theological things don't matter but like in that context it doesn't matter it's like you're trying to get one day at a time yeah and just trying to be honest with yourself and other people and it's that practical and and my friend matt russell was speaking and he kept saying that phrase that hell is not a god-forsaken place and i was like oh man what what is that like it just really struck me uh it struck me as something that like was controversial for some reason and 
but it it but so true like to my experience to um but i actually thought of this uh i thought of this story that's actually in another song called i want to be well mm -hmm. it's it's a story that uh, another friend of mine an addiction counselor talks about when when she was uh in the throes of her alcoholism like she had to come to a point where she when she would throw the bottles in the trash take it out to the curb and then sneak out of the house at two or three in the morning sit on the curb pull bottles out of the trash and drink them dry she had to come to a point where she would uh, picture jesus just sitting on the curb next to her at two or three in the morning you know kind of like just be like okay yeah so this yep. is this is your solution for today you need to dig through the trash and drink this. And, and it's not like him saying, oh, that's okay. That's a good thing that you're doing. But, but he's there. Yeah. Like he's, he's not, he's not uh, embarrassed by it. He's not surprised by it. Uh, and he just sit on the curb with her at two in the morning. And that's, that's, it's been like a really uh, uh, beautiful picture to me because I think that's the only way out of it. Yeah. It's the same thing with I will. The only way out of it is not, not to feel shamed by the people around you or, or fixed by the people around you is like to know that like in that worst place all those people in the room aren't going to run out of the room well it's even more important to know that in that worst place that that god's like okay what else you got yeah you know um and to me that's the kind of thing that would makes me motivated to change or maybe not motivated to change motivated to give up yes you know to surrender, you know, right? Because sur uh, surrender might really be the only real change. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That change of just being like, I can't change myself. Right. I can just say, I've tried that, and how's it working for me? Right. I've I've heroically proven that a few times. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Me too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's um, man, is there hope in pictures like that? Mm. That God would actually sit with us in our worst spot. Yeah. Um, that this idea of maybe we really can, you know, to all of a sudden scripture is helpful where you can actually boldly go to God with yourself. That yeah. He's approachable and that he's also a pursuer and finds us in those places and um, doesn't magic wand it and poof, it's all better. But like, I'm with you here, but is this where you really want to be? Right. Um, like it becomes this beautiful mirror, like, okay, this is what it is. And we all know in those places, that's not where we want to be. And we don't know any other way out. But the fact that God would be with us could be the beginning of, well, maybe there is something else. Like if we could right. actually taste that and believe that God sat with me on the curb, um, God was with me in that very dark night, whatever it is, yeah. um, that, that hope uh, might be a door that could swing open. Yeah. And some of it too is like, you know, at the core of a lot of that stuff is just feeling alone, right? Like isolated, and to believe that there's no place you can go and be isolated, right? Because um, it's—I mean, to me, I—I I felt like I was kind of hoping that people would be pissed off about that song. Like, <laughs> like, uh, you know, I'm not much of an instigator, but like I have a little bit of a—you know—every once in a while, I don't mind prodding something. And, uh, you know, because I, I just feel like, you know, the, the kind of language growing up, that's kind of moralistic language, like, oh, if you do that, God's upset with you or whatever. It's kind of like, well, like, it, it would be like you, you have your deepest, darkest places, and then, then you have some friends who can come, come close to that, and but God is, like, really far away from that. And to, to, you know, believe that God is, like, you know, already there with you in the worst thing that you could possibly imagine yeah uh it's i don't know it's something that i need to hear over and over again which is all over scripture if we read it the right way oh yeah yeah you yep. know, god's meeting a woman at a well during the middle of the day where she should not be yep um that uh god yeah. being in places where other people aren't supposed to be is where he shows up all the time yeah um it's right there for us to see but uh we read it wrong too many times and we miss that God's uh, in those places to bring us out of that and into life. Well, I think we, you know, even like Psalm 139, yeah. you know, even darkness isn't dark to you and there's nowhere I can go from your presence. I think even worse, we translate that into like 
Santa knows if you're bad or if you're good, if you're naughty, if you're nice. So don't be naughty. I mean, like, because God knows, God sees it, so you better not do it. You know, it's like, not only do we not see that God is sitting in the curb with us saying, okay, we turn that into another moralistic rule because God is the elf on the shelf that's right. that's going to nail elf us, you know? <laughs> and it's tragic, man. I mean, that's I think that's such prevalent theology, and it's terrible. It's terrible. The- and it's not helpful. I mean, like, all right, so I'm going to beat myself up and beat others up because I, I'm not catching a break anywhere from God or from... So, I mean, that, that, that's why for both of you, I think both of you are, are putting lyrics to music. Um, Joel, you're... My favorite song of yours is um, uh, "Dangerous Man" or "Desperate Man." <laughs> Desperate Man is it's, it's so Andy's song, which actually right uh, was the door opening for me to write "Dangerous Dangerous Man." Man. Yeah. yeah, well, they're both very similar, and I love them because it gives guys like me freedom to say, "Okay, I I I I can sit on the curb long enough to let God find me there." Versus yeah. to be filled with shame and oh, no one's going to um, want to listen to what I have to say if I, you know, if they only knew where I was going with all this stuff. So uh, just thank you. I mean, it's just yeah. such good. Um, I mean, not bad enough. That's another tune off yeah, your I'll, latest I'll record. Up too. Go, yeah, no, yeah. go ahead. Go. Um, I, I just, um, I love what you're saying and sort of the, the music style against it are kind of great because it's almost playful yeah um but you're you're laying uh something down that um if people would actually take that in and i think they do because you have a um you have a way of uh dropping something very strong but in such an approachable way and sometimes there's a little tongue-in-cheek in it um and that sort of softens the blow of people leaning in a little more to go wait is it is what he's saying actually true um because not bad enough is uh anyone who's dealt with um cyclical behavior or um addiction definitely has gone through the well i'm i'm too bad for whatever um i'm out and that song has this oh no 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 you're not out and it's not over but um will you believe it I feel like mm-hmm. you ask that question in so many songs. Would you be willing mm-hmm. to believe that this is actually true? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where you're such a helpful poet and artist. And um, it's why we nerd out about you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we really do. And so I want to ask the question, like, because it, you you do have a playful way of writing. You're hilarious in concert. I mean, in a really dry way. But clearly darkness and loss have influenced you in your writing you've you've wrestled it down would you mind talking about that a little bit if you would about well yeah i I think that some of i don't know for me i think i always some of those things were always present in my writing um for whatever reason i think maybe when i first started writing i was drawn to you know, some of the honesty that I would find in like the David Wilcox song or something like that. Um, but there were a number of years where I was writing about stuff that I feel like I had never experienced. Yeah. Um, so still like my tendency then, then, uh, then like, you know, coming up on, uh, you know, being a good kid all of my life, basically trying to find ways to sabotage that and get, get out from under that umbrella. Yeah. Um, and then having like just serious, uh, not just serious failure in my life or in my marriage, but like, that was like really public, like, like in my community, like everybody knew about. So it's kind of like all of my shame kind of just out there in the open. Hmm. And, and for me, you know, some people, have this, uh, you know, this sense of right and wrong where they're just kind of like, hey, this is, I don't like where I'm going. I'm going to just change, you know, like, do something about it. For me, I just had to be caught and just had to like be exposed, which was like, you know, one of the greatest gifts in my life. Um, 
And I think through that process being, uh, I think even before that process, I was like, Oh, I don't, I, I never felt like I even needed counseling, hmm. much less, you know, any kind of recovery work or anything like that. And it gave me an excuse to do that. Yeah. Um, and at, which I'm so grateful for, but like, um, yeah, kind of, and through that process over time, like I could go back to even things I was writing beforehand and be like, oh, this is what, what I love about songwriting or art in general is it like it has a mind of its own. Like I, I just, I feel like, um, like there's so many ways in my life that I could be false. And the songs are one of the only places that doesn't let me do that. Mm-hmm. Even if I, even if I don't know that I'm being true, um, it's something. I'm not saying because I think my, the songs are so great, or they're they're like you know. I was gonna say I don't I don't think they're like God breathed, but I actually do think that they are. Yeah. I mean, yeah. not in a pompous way. I'm not saying it's the Bible or you should whatever. But for me in my own life, my experience has been that they know what they're talking about years before I know what I'm talking about and times when I even try to like force something to be true in a song, the song won't let me finish it. Or if I finish it, I hate it. Yeah. You know? And, um, so I kind of feel like, you know, when I look back, the, 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 the music kind of goes alongside with, um, paving the road in front of me. You know, it's kind of like, even, even if that road is great failure. Yeah. Uh, and so that that great failure can give meaning to, and I could, I could have written, I, well, when I first started writing for like a publishing company, a Christian music publishing company, you know, you, they want you to write a bunch of vertical songs and about grace and about love and about, you know, forgiveness and whatever. All and that crap. All that <laughs> And you know what? It is crap until you experience it. Right. I mean, like, but but that doesn't mean that the songs I wrote about it weren't true. It's just like I had no clue. But what a gift it is to 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 fall on my face to where when I write about grace or forgiveness, there's some meat on the bones, yeah. you know. Um. And uh, you know, I keep finding ways to add meat to it. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, and that's just kind of, you know, what my life journey is about. It's kind of like, oh yeah, I thought I even had a concept of that, that God loved me in the midst of my darkest places. Mm-hmm. And then the next year happens, I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, he really does. Yeah. And I hope, you know, in ten years that I look back on our conversation today and think, man, I really thought I knew what I was talking about about community about not fixing people about you know god being there with me on the curb um and i hope in 10 years to be like man i thought i i knew something of it but like i know it Hmm. 10 years more now yeah yeah um i love that perspective that um what we know now is just what we know now Um, yeah and it's good but there's actually the chance that it's going to be better um yeah and the things that we experience uh, going down the road make us look back and go, oh, I thought it was this good, but it's actually this good. Yeah. And it's yeah. usually not like contradicting something. Yeah. Although that can be the case, but but like it's just like, oh, yeah. Oh, here's the full picture of it and be like, oh, my gosh. No, that's that, that is like it's a tiny sliver of something that's true. Yeah. You know? uh, and so my work. My work is to get up every day and kind of look for, you know, uncover a little bit more of that picture, you know? Yeah. I, uh, I put it this way. Maybe we would all relate to this as writers. I write songs that are braver than I am. Oh, um, yeah. Where it's a concept that I've sort of psychologically maybe understood. But then I live some more of my life and I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, that's what that actually means. And it's right. bigger than I thought it was. It's actually better. And I don't know how I had the perspective to write it when I did, but I see it more clearly now. 
Yeah, I would would totally resonate. I think, and that's what you said, Andy, the songs almost, for me, um, the prose, the writing, the books, the they pave the way. I mean, they do. Um, If, and in in that way, I do think they're God-breathed. I mean, I really believe that. Like we we get a a taste of something and then we write from the ache. You know, Mm -hmm. like I try to write from the ache of what I long for in the world and in myself. And I think there's a way if, cause if you write only from like what you've nailed, I mean, number one, do we nail anything? <laughs> but number two, you're, you, you, it's, it's just going to come off like you're done, like you're finished and no one that doesn't actually help anyone. I don't think so. I, I really resonate with that. I think that perspective is so helpful. And just that in the process of trusting, I guess it's happened enough where I can trust, my guitar or the process of songwriting to go beyond what my abilities are. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, talking about not bad enough, like I've kind of joked about this in an introduction to the song on occasion, but like it literally, my intention was to write a judgmental, not, not a sarcastically judgmental, but to, to write an angry song to somebody that, I thought was bad enough to lose my love. I mean, like really, that was just like, all right, you've gone too far. Hmm. Like that's really wow. where my heart was. And so I was like, you know, the the lyrics and the verses is that, you know, you lie to your brother, you take from your front friends, you cheat on the one you love time and again. Like it was just going to be that. Hmm. And then I go to the guitar and the guitar starts playing, you know, the music that doesn't seem to fit with my feelings. <laughs> and then like I literally try to force it somewhere else and it keeps going back to that yeah then i end up writing it and it was like the song said oh sure i'll let you keep those words but let me just insert this one thing and i didn't know what that one thing was going to be i just i just started singing it and then that line came out in between each line like well you're not bad enough and i was like oh crap you mean this (laughs) how am i going to get my anger out if this is nuts you know um but that's really some people think that's like hyperbole when I'm talking about writing, but it was that's really how it happened. Like I, my intent really was to let somebody have it. Yeah. And the song wouldn't have it. Song, it, it let me have it. Yeah, it did. Um, and so not only did it let me have it in in the way that I approached this person, but then the number of times since writing that song that I needed to hear it yeah. about myself. Yeah. So it's like it was even it was ahead of me in the way that I felt about that person. Yeah. But it was way ahead of me in the way I felt about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's I don't understand that, but mm-hmm. but I think it's um, I believe in it. I mean, like it's it's something that uh, it sounds to some people like mystic and you know new agey or something like that. I don't know, but I don't really care. Yeah. It's, yeah. No, I, uh, it is, I mean, it probably is a bit mystical, but mm-hmm. isn't that okay? Yeah, um, no, I, mystic is not a bad word to me. Right. So, uh, if we uh, believe in this idea of God, then we have to believe in some things that we actually don't understand and that are outside yeah. our purview. So like if we put it back inside the box, well, we've kind of created the end of it. Um, I just got done watching a documentary on Tom Petty huh. and just talking about the, where songs take you. Uh, he was talking about that same concept. And I think, again, all of us as writers, sometimes we sit down to do one thing and something else comes out. And then somebody might say, hey, well, what does that song mean? And Tom would say sometimes, I have no idea. Right. But it did mean things to certain people. Like uh, he wasn't afraid to let the song be out there because he just wanted to write a great song. But if that story became very particular to one person or another, that was fine too. He was, it's like, songs have the ability to let people write their own story into it and yeah. that is a, a really generous thing yeah i heard i heard noel gallagher say the same thing you know of course it's got this uh, thought well well i didn't know this well i don't know what i'm doing <laughs> um uh, <laughs> i don't know what that was uh it was keith richards that was I think. a soccer uh, who yeah <laughs> Yeah. No, but he said the same thing. He's like when people interview him and they ask him what was this song about, he's very hesitant to say even sort of what was in his heart because at the end of the day, he's like that song is going to meet you uh, in a way that you need to be met. And I would say the same thing with sermons. 
I can't tell you how many times someone will come up to me and, hey, when you said this and this and this, it's so impactful. And I didn't say it. Like, I didn't. Right. I, I, don't rem- I, would, I don't remember saying that at all. Um, and so I think that's the power that art has when we place a trust in a God who says to Moses, when Moses asks God what God's name is, God says, well, my name is I will be what I will be. <laughs> you know, right. like you can't possibly in any way shape or form nail me down i am not to be known in that way i'm to be known continuously in an expansive generative Mm -hmm. surprising um i'll meet you at the bottom of yourself way uh I really yeah. thought you were going to say meet you at the pole. And I was going to have an issue with that. Anyway. <laughs> meet you at the pole. Please, everybody, please uh, advertise it for meet you at the pole. Uh, I was going to say that one of the things that that, that makes me think of for um, when it comes to like, you know, talking about surrender, talking about recovery, like the entering, like, uh, this feeling that you don't have control yeah. over whatever it is, something that you need to surrender. Your life has become unmanageable, right? And um, like initially, that's this like negative thing. Like there's these behaviors in my life. I can't stop drinking or whatever it is. It's kind of like I I don't have control over this, and it is wreaking havoc in my life. And so, kind of the giving up control, uh, the surrendering it. Um, but then, like through that is like like what you're what you're talking about the um about the sermons being something different like it becomes beautiful you don't have control something else has control over it and Mm -hmm. and if you were trying to control it it would be so small right if if it was going to be what i intended it to be it would be so small um hey thanks molly (laughs) thanks molly Molly. i appreciate it hey molly uh I'm having a little podcast. Hi, Molly. This is my daughter, Aidy, actually. Oh. (laughs) But why don't you go inside, and and, and, and Mom will be home in a second. That's my favorite part so far of this whole thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Right there. You know, really professional. Um, Can I throw just a sidebar question to you? Uh, So a couple times that I've seen you, um, you have a notebook with you on stage. And you kind of page through every once in a while. And like, I was just curious, like, is, uh, what's in there? Um, is that like, uh, more recent songs maybe, or set lists from other shows? I was just so curious, like I've seen you page through both times. That notebook is just, um, or just like, clips from the far side. I don't know. They're just, uh, portraits of you. Yes, exactly. Thank <laughs> That's what you I was so hoping. Much. You just made a dream come true, Andy. Yeah. Uh, just try it's kind of like I, I have it's pretty much the same drawing of you every page mm-hmm. but I have uh, like the little cut out dress up doll kind of thing oh so sure yeah. yeah you can change just, the outfits like what colors look best yeah. with your eyes Ma I'm, I'm glad I asked that makes a lot of sense Paul uh, Ingalls <laughs> the, half the, uh, the funny thing is it's, it's basically just all the set lists from every show okay um, so that theoretically I can go back and say all right but it only, I mean, I don't know how many pages are in it, so it only goes back like a couple of years or, or a year and a half or so. And then, but the problem is the set list, I kind of get somewhere, and then right before the show, I'm like, oh, what, what do I feel like Yeah. I would like to, and I end up writing just all the songs that maybe I would like to do, and then I look at it, and then, you know, maybe 20% aren't, <clears throat> I don't end up doing off of that list. Sure. So really, it's just like, what ends up happening is every page is just me listing all the songs that I like. And every page is exactly the same. Yes, I was hoping it was something like that. Top of it, so it's like, you know, so if if I were to go back and say, oh, what did I do here? It's like I have no clue. Here are all the songs that I thought about that night. I have no clue what I actually yeah. played. So, yeah, you know, it's, just did Led Zeppelin covers that night actually. Yeah, which yeah. that would be killer. I mean, oh man. Um, all right, Andy, we're coming to the end of the time that at least you promised us, and so. Um, I wanted to thank you so much for just opening up the pages oh, of your life and and really, I mean, Joel and I are not kidding. Yeah. Us and many others just love your work. Um, can't wait till you come back to Minneapolis. And do you have a do you have a Minneapolis date anytime in the next? Uh, do we need to? I just thought about there. There is something I'm coming 
for something in, uh, let me look here, maybe October. All right. Is that a horrible time to come to Minnesota? No, no it's beautiful, man. Fall, gorgeous. October the 8th, I'm doing something somewhere near Minneapolis in some school. Perfect. That's all I know. Yeah. Because I might, I might do other stuff while I'm up there. So. All right. Well, that, that gives I, us I, a little I, time to do some scheming. I Yeah. Um... If only I knew somebody there <laughs> i i uh my wife and i moved to a hobby farm 10 months ago and we're kind of redoing the barn right now to be able to host some stuff really and perhaps you need to come play in my barn maybe, maybe. it's really cool there's no man. there won't be any animal husbandry or anything i've, I've heard you tell the story about well, the then extra no. long glove <laughs> then no <laughs> then i'm out only husbandry <laughs> I was getting my concerts hopes, hopes up hopes up nope okay yeah i'll play a concert and then we will pull a calf out of uh, the writhing body I've of I've got some uh, chains. We'll just, cow. Yeah. So hobby farm, like, like yeah. what are you doing there? Uh, well, so we're learning how to live rurally. We have uh, 11 chickens. Uh, uh, we're getting two goats. My daughter's leasing a goat right now. Um, option to buy. Oh. Lease, which lease is, with an option to buy. I guess a thing. Yeah, leasing with the option to buy. Thank okay, you, yeah. Chevy Chase. Um, and uh, and then work on this barn that it might become a place to gather people. Well, I shouldn't say might be. It will be. It's just a matter of like how quickly we can get that done. Right. Um, and we've become friends with the family that uh, we bought it from. The guy we bought it from was born in the house in 1939. Oh, wow. So it just has a great story, too. Yeah. How far is it from? Uh... Like when you came to Open Door, uh, yeah. 17 minutes away. It's just right, oh, okay. up, right on the edge of town. It's gorgeous. Yeah. We were just there yesterday. Fifteen minutes down the road from Steve. Literally, you take a, a right onto the uh, Bass Lake Road where he lives, and then you take a left off of that on my road. So not far. Uh, a, a landmark that's really that you would know is a little bar bar called the Stanchion, which yeah. I'm I mean, sure you've been to many. Of times. course, from Stanchion. National. Oh yeah, uh -huh. the Stanchion. Yeah, we meet there. Oh for, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, the Stanchion. Yeah, I mean, you've, uh, I'm sure you've got the big ceramic before. cow outside. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, of course. Fits about seven people inside. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Andy, um, if people wanted to follow you uh, and find out where you're playing, uh, when you're coming to their town, where would they go? I mean, like AndyGullahorn.com or like what? what's the best? Theoretically, AndyGullahorn.com or, you know, I post things on like Twitter and Instagram, that kind of stuff. And that's just Andy Gullihorn. Okay. That's all theoretical. Uh, I don't have people. Right. <laughs> and I'm not uh, the most uh, business-minded individual. So uh, it's possible that shows could be up on the website before <laughs> I go play. But perhaps, but perhaps, perhaps not. I, I, I reserve the right to... Uh, like totally screw up my own career. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, That's very brave of you. Well, yeah. I will include uh, the show on, I, we, I'm, I put out a little blog for every podcast. So it's like, I'll include your website and your Twitter and Instagram and stuff like that. So people can follow you that want to. Um, and when you do update your stuff, like when you're playing at the stanchion in Corcoran, yeah. Minnesota, uh, when I updated the night before I played there to say that I'm playing there, just so if anybody happens to be checking my website the night before, right? Yes, right. Then they'll be there. Mean other than Steve and I, yeah, because we'll be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. eating yeah. a terrible cheeseburger. People, right? right, yeah. So <laughs> me, Steve, yep. you. There's four left. The bartender. So only three people. And come. Earl. Earl is always there. Earl's always there. Yeah, yeah. You can't. You can't stop. You Earl. bring the rented goat. Uh, Winnie. Yeah. Uh, is Winnie allowed in there? Yeah. Oh yeah. Aren't you in a station. band called Rented Goat? I am. Yeah, Rented Goat, but it, it hasn't really worked out. I know. It's, well, it's the messaging is a little – it's dubious, but, I mean, you know, I think you got to go with that. Agreed. Andy, thanks so much, man. We really just appreciate um, – I've appreciated uh, hanging out with you over these last 45 minutes or so. And, yeah, uh, yeah, October, Joel and I are going to scheme. Oh, yeah. I think – I'm going to see if, if – uh, if that thing in October is even open, hold on a second. Let me see. Uh, I know this is not good for, for podcasts. It's perfect. You know what? <laughs> this is a basement podcast. As you can see, the studio here is lovely. It's just a lovely, lovely studio. My problem is that, that I like, well, I, I won't even go into my problem, but the, uh, 
Please do. Oh, wait. I'm almost there. Oh, wait. Oh, here it is. Hmm. Saturday, October 8th. Bethlehem Baptist Church. You know where that is? I do. It's right downtown. Mm-hmm. You're right by the new stadium, which I'm sure you're going to love. Um, it's hosted by Bethlehem College and Seminary. Yep. That's connected to that church. So, we're, but we're gonna we're gonna dream and scheme about a Friday night event at at the barn. I'm just I'm just calling it right now. Yeah. Good, gonna, I like that. We're gonna like see that if lot. that can happen. Well, you know that I'm in. Okay, rented goat, mm-hmm. husbandry or not. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll text you the night before. Maybe we can, <laughs> <laughs> we can play together as a band called the Rented Goat. Yeah. Yeah. We'll write a song together called Delicate Man. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm losing it. I'm losing it. Desperate as long delicious. as delicious man, delicious man slash delicate man. I think. What is... about deliberate man? He's just <laughs> overly <laughs> deliberate about everything. Yeah, everything is like totally overexplained. Yes, and what I mean by that is <laughs> the moral of this story. Listen, before I uh, sing the song, I want to tell you the whole thing. And... <laughs> the first line. You know when I was a child. Oh my gosh! We we'll, we'll figure out one song. Okay. I think we have an album. Yeah, I think it's just D and then blank. Bags. Man. Demand. <laughs> Demand. <laughs> Twelve songs. Demand. Demand. We have a career that's burgeoning right now. Yep. I mean, this oh, wait, needs it's over. To happen. Okay. <laughs> All right, Andy. Peace, my friend. Thanks so much. Enjoy the rest of the day. I'd love to hear the birds chirping and uh, and your daughter. And thanks I mean. for letting me jump in, you guys. Oh, really fun. so good. Yeah, you too. So good. Peace. All right. See you guys. Bye-bye.